Father in heaven, be with us now as we open your word, as we take a few minutes to reflect. Lord, speak to us about the one who came to reign forever and ever. Amen. All right. So we're going to be in Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2 is the story of the birth of Jesus and the, and the shepherds and the angels. But I want to key on the angels, what they said, and what it means. But I want to start in a, at the very beginning of this chapter and reflect on something you, that you might not have thought about before as we read through this. So Luke chapter 2, verse 1, And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Now we read that. You know that part. You've heard that part, the, the initiator of the story. And it's a key initiator of the story because it is the explanation as to how Joseph, who lived in Nazareth, ends up in Bethlehem with Mary when Jesus is born. But I want you to think of this in another way that the beginning of this story actually is talking in the context of rulers. Earthly rulers, to be specific. We have Caesar Augustus, we have Quirinius, the governor. And what happens when earthly rulers tell us to do something? We pretty much have to do it, don't we? And so you see this happening here. These rulers have made this decree and the people have had to do it. Now this is normal. This is reality. This is how life is. There are those who tell us what we need to do, and then we have to go and do it. And, and even the Bible supports this idea. You have uh, Romans chapter 13. Paul says uh, that uh, the acknowledge and respect the authorities because God has established authorities. Why did God have to establish authorities? Well, because we have sin in our hearts, don't we? And when we're left by ourselves, do we get better and better and better? Does society just get really good if there's no controls on it? No, it doesn't. It gets completely out of hand. And so God has appointed authorities. Now, the authorities are not always just. The authorities are not always fair. But if left to ourselves, we'd completely destroy ourselves. So Paul says in there that we need to respect and, and give tribute where tribute is due, give respect where respect is due, so, so make sure you pay your taxes next year. That's what it's about. Even Jesus says something along these lines uh, when he is about to give the woes to the Pharisees in Matthew chapter 23. He starts out by saying, the Pharisees sit in the seat of Moses, so you need to do what they tell you, but don't do what they do. It's interesting, isn't it? So there are leaders, there are rulers, there are authorities. And this starts in the context of that. And in fact, it even goes further. Verse 4, Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. This is also a statement about rulers, isn't it? Because who was David? David was the great king of Israel. So the entire initial context of this story puts us in the context of earthly rulers. And here's Joseph of the line of David. And he's off to Bethlehem. Verse 5, 
to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered, and she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. It's, it's a tidy way of telling that story, isn't it? Have you ever participated in a birth? Either as the one who gave birth or someone there? It, it's, is it simple like this? Uh, the days were completed for her to be delivered, and she brought forth her firstborn son. Is that how it went for you? Just kind of like that. Oh, here we go. There they are. It's a little more than that, isn't it? And in, in some ways, it's a pretty scary experience. I actually tried to find some data. I didn't do a real extensive research. Maybe it's out there, but of, of what uh, maternal mortality rate was in those days. I, I didn't find anything in the, in the time I had to look, but I did find something about infant mortality around that time was as high as 30% within the first year. It's pretty, pretty remarkable. It's, it's not a simple thing, is it? And the idea that the, the, the Son of God would be born a human child, and it wouldn't take place in an amazingly sterile environment. It wouldn't take place in a hospital with, with attending physicians. It would take place in a stall with animals. It's an amazing story. But Luke isn't keying on that. He wants to go on because as amazing as that is and as we all understand that to be, the real point of the story here is what is the nature of this one that is born? And this is what he shifts to next in verse 8. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And it was no big deal to them because they were used to this. Is that what it says? No. They were terrified. Sometimes we, we forget this when we read the Bible story. We think, oh yeah, this kind of stuff happened all the time in the Bible. Well, no. They, I mean, this is the first time these guys have ever seen angels. And probably the last time they ever saw angels. Their experience is not different than ours until this day. And suddenly, in the night sky is an angel. So what does the angel say? Who can tell me what the first word of every angel is? Do not be afraid, right? Yeah, what does that tell you about human encounters with angels? Well, we don't greet them as equals. Maybe we can just say it that way. Verse 10, Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. I want you to catch the three pieces of that. Good tidings, great joy, all people. It's for everyone. These, these Greek words are really kind of neat. The good tidings is euangelizomai. Uh, That's kind of like euangelion, which we get the word evangelism from. It means good news. So euangelizomai, oh my, something like that, it means they've interpreted here good tidings. There's a message for you that is glorious. And then, good tidings, great joy. The word that they interpret great joy is megalane. Yeah, we know about mega, right? Mega is big, yeah. It comes from Greek, the word mega. So this is megalane. This is an amazing report. It can even be used for loud. We bring you something important and loud. And it's for everybody. 
So what is this, what is this news? Verse 11. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Every word of that's important. There is born. So this Savior has become one of us. There is born to you. Now that's not the singular you. You know, in English, there's you meaning you singular and you meaning you plural because we used to have a plural word for you, but it fell out of practice. That's what happens in language. This is the plural you, born to everyone, you could say. Where is he born? Oh, when is he born? This day. The news is fresh. The news is right now, born to everyone this day, where? In the city of the great king of Israel. See, that doesn't mean as much to us, does it? In Bethlehem. Eh. No. In the city of the great king of Israel. Well, who is born? A Savior who is Christ the Lord. All right, so when we think of Jesus, it's pretty easy for us to think of Jesus in the context of Savior, isn't it? Because that's kind of how we tend to teach it, Jesus. Because he, he lived, He died for our sins, He rose again. And by confessing and receiving that grace and forgiveness, He is our Savior. We are welcomed. We are adopted as sons and daughters of God. That's a story that's very real to us. But the second one, we kind of feel like we know, but I'm not sure we really do. Messiah. A Savior, the Christ. So in Greek, Christ means anointed one. In Hebrew, Messiah means anointed one. So the one born is the anointed one that has been spoken of in the Old Testament that was the one promised to come. Who is the anointed one in the Old Testament? Well, it's the King of Israel. Jesus is born King of Israel. And it's important for us to remember that because, because it will talk about the glory of your people, Israel. There's, there's a, a point where the prophecy is made about Jesus, and he will be the glory of your people, Israel. Why is he the glory? Because he is born king of Israel. Now, yes, he also is king of kings, but he is born king of Israel, and he is... Lord. We don't really do Lord anymore, do we? That's not really our thing. We, we have this pseudo-egalitarian notion amongst ourselves that, that everybody's kind of the same. And the idea of a Lord, what is a Lord? We don't even, it's a title, right? We don't know that word. A Lord was someone who knew what you needed to do and told you to do it, basically. Jesus is born to be our Lord. The one who knows what we need to do and tells us to do it, and we need to obey him. Okay, we don't always think that way, do we? We think of Savior, but we don't know what to do with King and we don't know what to do with Lord. But here's the amazing thing about Jesus He is, he is born here in the city of David, King of Israel, and and maybe you remember this prophecy from Isaiah chapter 60. You remember it from the Messiah. It's amazing uh, how 
Handel's Messiah, that, that amazing work, has, has instilled in us an understanding and a knowledge of Old Testament Scripture that if we didn't have that work, we might not know. But here's the words. Uh, Isaiah chapter 60, verse 1. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you, and His glory will be seen upon you. And what will be the result? This one who will come to the people of Israel, what will be the result? Verse 3. The Gentiles shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. The bright light born that night was Jesus, King of Israel, and to that light, guess who came? You and me, the Gentiles, brought to the King of Israel, God's Son, who was made King of kings and Lord of lords. And how does it go? You sang it in the song. And he shall reign forever and ever. But he doesn't come like the kings we know. Verse 12, And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. The most spectacular sight opens in the heavens, directing the shepherds to find an infant in a manger. God's ways are just blow your mind, right? Angels, baby, how do we make this work in our heads? But the thing is, there always are those who do. There were, there were the wise men who all they needed was to see His star and know that a special one had come who had no trouble at all walking into where the Christ child was and recognizing in Him the King of kings and Lord of lords. Is there a place in your heart for Jesus? Sonia made a comment here earlier talking about kids. Or maybe she made it at the other service. I guess she didn't say it here. But one of the things she was talking about is, is uh, when we're kids, our, our faith experience is so much here. So much in our hearts. So much a visceral, internal experience. But then as we get older, it, it kind of creeps up here, doesn't it? And sometimes our faith experience gets locked right up here in our head. And there's very little heart left in the experience. We, we confess on an intellectual level, but our heart is somewhere else. Is there a place in your heart for the Christ child to be born? Are you willing to open your heart this season? Are you willing to be in touch with that emotive side of the experience? I'm going to ask Allie to come back up and, and Feli's going to play for us a song that I love. 
that speaks to my heart, that, that opens my heart that little bit, because I'm, I'm the one that gets stuck up here. That's me. But a song that opens my heart, it's by a man named Alfred Burt. I don't know how many of you know his story, but he was the son of a pastor who used to write uh, a Christmas letter to the church. And in that, every year, he would include a new song. So, yeah, I don't do that. Sorry. But he would do this. And, and after a while, he saw that his son was very talented with music, so he passed the task of the song on to his son. And for a number of years, he would write a song for the Christmas letter for the church every year. And there's quite a few of them. If you look through the list, you would know. One of them is, uh, Some Children See Him Lily White, the baby Jesus born this night. Some Children See Him Bronzed and Brown. Yeah, he wrote that one. There's a couple others. But there's one in particular that he wrote that really speaks to my heart. It's called The Star Carol. And it's about the star, the light, that came to show where the Christ child was. And in the last verse, it speaks about our heart. And so as you hear this song, we'll reflect on it a minute when we're done here, but, uh, but as you hear this song, ask yourself, is there a place in my heart?
So that message there, I think, is very powerful because when you make a place in your heart for Jesus, then everything will remind you of Him. But if your heart is far and cold, nothing will. And it's a powerful song that challenges us. Do you know this song? How many of you have heard this song before? So that's new to a lot of you. Uh-oh. Because I was actually thinking I might have you stand up and try to sing this last verse with me. And I fear it for two reasons. One, it's a bit high, and I don't know if I will make it there. But it's such a beautiful song, and I want you to take this message of it home with you. So everybody stand up with me, and let's, let's give this last verse a try. So, so let's go back to, to sweet baby Jesus. How tiny thou art. Dear baby Jesus, sorry, got the words wrong. So we're going to try this to sing it together with Allie. She's going to carry us. Are you ready? Here we go. Dear baby Jesus, how tiny. darkness has come. Walk outside and look at the sky. I think it's going to be clear. I hope so. Walk outside and look at the sky. And let those stars remind you of the angels that sang. But even more than that, remind you of the King that was born. Make that place in your heart for Him. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you that he came as a child, as one of us. Thank you that he lived in faithfulness. May our hearts be opened this day to the Lord Jesus. In his name we pray.